Hey everyone, welcome back to Two Spot Monkeys Live. We are here with episode number 38. I'm Tom, joined as always by Jim. Jim, how are you? I am good. I am good. I'm ready to talk some Ring of Honor today. Absolutely, yeah. So we have uh, Fastlane um, in the uh, carpool lane now. Uh, has they've, they've gotten out of the Fastlane. We'll talk exit about lane. that. The exit lane. There you go. Yep, they've, they've merged and they've pulled off. Uh, so we'll chat briefly about that. But yeah, the, the main content today is the 19th anniversary show for Ring of Honor. And we'll be doing our head-to-head picks and uh, sharing some Ring of Honor anniversary memories. So um, happy to have you here. Happy to join us as always. Thank you for subscribing and listening. And uh, for those of you watching our YouTube stream, uh, you can see our two handsome faces. <laughs> for those who are on the podcast side, I just made a really terrible smile. Um, I, I haven't looked recently to see what our YouTube streams are, but let's just say uh, it's a good thing we have the podcast side. Um, One of these days we're going to do like, where there's going to be like a big show on a Saturday or a Sunday and we're going to watch it. And then we're going to say, you know what, both of our schedules allow, we're going to jump on and we'll do like a live react and that'll be fun. And maybe people can, can participate via YouTube uh, in the comment section or something along those lines. We'll see. Absolutely. Not, to, not today, but down the road. Absolutely. And actually with this, uh, the system that we use uh, through StreamYard, we could actually even bring people on screen, um, just like you and I are, um, which which could be dangerous and fun all at the same time, right? Um, depending on who they are. Um, I think if our good friend Robbie was awake over in Ireland, we'd probably just tell him to type in the comments and not come on screen. But um, I love you, Robbie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And uh, just looking forward to... Um, just for the record, that won't be happening after TakeOver or WrestleMania, for sure, uh, because Tom has uh, some fun family vacation planned over that time frame. Um, so just looking forward on the schedule next week, uh, most likely on Friday as well, uh, we'll drop an episode looking at NXT TakeOver and previewing that, and then we'll have uh, an episode, it'll be in the can, but you don't, you know, don't worry about that, um, that'll preview. Spoiler! Spoiler! Right? Spoiler, it'll be two spot monkeys not so live. It'll be like the taped dynamites, but hopefully, um, hopefully as entertaining as the taped dynamite with Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker was, and not maybe some of the other taped dynamites. Um, so we'll drop that probably on the ninth, um, looking at WrestleMania. But we want to make sure we hit takeover early enough since it's happening early in that week. Um, after hard to believe we're only a couple of weeks away from WrestleMania, but that's not going to be the majority of our conversation today. However, we'll start with a little bit around that probably. Uh, as we look, our quick, our head-to-head update, uh, Braun Strowman and Shane, we didn't even talk about this, but obviously we're going to throw that match out because, as we suspected, um, it did not happen, although they, they did something there on the show, and we'll probably talk here in the recap a little bit about that. Um, but uh, I was dead right on every one of my picks, um, which, of course, we only had one that we um, disagreed on, if I remember right, Tom. That is right which was the Alexa Bliss, Randy Orton. So I got that one right. Tom got it wrong, which puts us, Tom, what are the records at? I know you've got them probably in front of you. I do, yes. So entering this weekend and entering the ROH Pick'em, Tom 32 and seven, Jim 31 and eight. So a one match difference. One match difference. We've got 10 matches we're picking here. We've got at least eight matches we're going to be picking next week uh, for TakeOver. And then who knows how many for WrestleMania by the time all is said and done. 
my assumption is we're going to be looking at, you know, certainly more than 10 there. Yeah, uh, well. there, there, there's eight for sure right now. And you have to think that between SmackDown and Raw happening before we record next, um, we'll, yeah, probably upwards of 10. Yep. And, and there might even be a couple that aren't officially announced by then that we can see are obviously going to be happening. And maybe we'll even toss those in. We'll see how that plays out over the next week or so. Um, so, yeah, you figure there's probably in the neighborhood of 30-ish matches uh, over the next few weeks that we'll be picking. So lots of opportunity for us to have a major swing one way or the other, um, depending on now, obviously, a number of those matches we're probably going to be very similar on. Um, I think there are definitely some matches here with Ring of Honor that will probably be similar on, but I definitely think there's some that we have a chance at least to be different on. We'll see how that all plays out. Uh, Tom, you got a chance to actually watch Fastlane uh, live. Is that correct? I watched one match live on Sunday night um, in between March Madness games, uh, and then I completed it uh, on Monday, and I actually have some some positive things to say about Peacock. So, um, yeah. So, uh, first and foremost, uh, just running down the results of Fastlane for the sake of listeners and our conversation, I think that's a little bit helpful. So let me, let me pull those up real quick. Um, Fastlane 2021 opened up in the pre-show with Riddle defending the U.S. title against Mustafa Ali uh, and apparently, or what would seemingly be the breakup of Retribution afterwards, uh, talk about uh, something that did not ever meet the things that it could have met or be what it could have been. Um, women's correct title match. Wrong, Go ahead. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tom. They they didn't follow up on that at all on Raw, did they? Do you know? They, did you they see Raw? They did not. There was okay, no follow. So. Yeah, there was no follow up at all. Uh, women's title match: Nia Jax and, Sh- and uh, Shayna retain over Sasha and Bianca. Uh, that match had a little bit of a funky finish. We might talk about that here. Uh, Intercontinental title, Big E defends over uh, Apollo <laughs> Crews. Uh, we're not going to talk about what happened with the 24-7 Old Spice cross thing. That was goofy. I was uh, playing for an hour on that, but all right, uh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> then, we had, then we had what the Shane McMahon angle issue circumstance that led to what we got, which was Braun Strowman over Elias. Uh, Seth Rollins over Shinsuke Nakamura, which actually was was a highlight and, and would have loved to have that been promoted a little bit more than it was. I think it you know had been building, but then formally, formally Friday on SmackDown to two days later happening on Sunday. The no holds barred match, no holds barred match, excuse me, with Drew McIntyre over Sheamus, which was which was a, a battle uh, and a slugfest. Then the Alexa Bliss over Randy Orton uh, match slash angle slash um segment uh, and the return of the reborn and disfigured fiend crispy and then fried. crispy fried yes and then the main event uh was the universal title match with the special guest enforcer edge that saw roman reigns defeat daniel bryan to retain not without chicanery and hijinks uh involving um, everyone and, and the, the finish of the match has me really looking forward to seeing what happens on SmackDown tonight. We are recording Friday, so SmackDown will happen this evening. Uh, because Edge attacked both men with a chair in that match, so um, yeah, I, I think the big things for me to take away when we think about Fastlane are um, 
I will start there with Edge being involved. Uh, you know, the, the ref, the ref took uh, took a bump on a uh, like on one of the flying knees from Daniel Bryan. Uh, Jay Uso got involved. Edge got involved. Um, Daniel Bryan went to hit Roman Reigns with a chair. Roman Reigns hit, moves and hits Edge in the arm. Edge goes down. Daniel Bryan has Roman um, tapping. Uh, to the yes lock, so he has a visual victory, and he has a rightful claim that he is the universal champion. Um, Edge comes back in, um, hits Daniel Bryan with a chair, hits Roman Reigns with a chair. Uh, Roman Reigns ends up pinning Daniel Bryan, uh, and I, I believe Edge kind of pinfall. I'm, I'm having a, a brain fart moment, or I don't recall that that happened, but um, Edge Edge definitely laid both guys out and like was very adamant, like against both so uh, on paper or in theory you'd say oh well then i guess we're headed towards a three-way at wrestlemania i hope we're not i really hope we're not uh i think we are, I think we are. And, and i just so i i don't i don't know how i feel about that um I, i'm interested in your opinion yeah i think we are i i, I don't know how you could not at this point um by having edge I don't want to say turn heel, but yet, I mean, it'll be interesting. I agree with you to see how they follow up on it because it certainly could go that direction. And then have you got two heels? You know, you've almost almost got two heels in a face with Daniel Bryan again um, in a triple threat. I mean, this is WrestleMania 30, not all over again because that had a little different. Uh, unless they do book it where where he's got to beat Jey Uso earlier in the match to earlier in the night or on night one, let's say, since we have a two night WrestleMania. Do they do Daniel Bryan versus Jey Uso on night one? And if he wins, he goes into the world title match on night two, um, which would be very reminiscent of WrestleMania 30. Um, just albeit over two nights instead of one, because we're selling night tickets for two nights. Um, you know, and and I, I could see that. Um, it would also give Jey Uso a prominent role on WrestleMania uh, and not just as on the on the outside for Roman Reigns match. Um, I, personally, I ra I would have rather seen Jey Uso get involved, cause Brian to lose the match, and Edge maybe begrudgingly makes the pin. And I'm pretty sure Edge did not count the pinfall. I think from what I and I did not see Fastlane, but I think from what I read, he beat them both up with the chairs or hit them both with the chairs, and then like stalked out, and another ref came in and made the count. Uh, maybe the first ref woke up, or another one came down. I can't remember. Um, but that's that's my memory of what I read. I wouldn't, you know, swear on a Bible to that. Um, but I would have rather seen Uso cost Brian the match and then, you know, Edge begrudgingly makes the count or something like that. Where there's still that tension with Daniel Bryan in the world title, but you go to Daniel Bryan, Jey Uso at WrestleMania, and then you just leave Edge and Roman alone. Uh, I don't think that's what we're going towards. I, I think we're, I don't even know if we're going to do the two-night thing with Brian and Uso, for Uso's sake, I hope we do, if that's where we're headed. But um, I think you may very well just see tonight Brian put into the match or Brian has to beat Uso tonight to get into the match or something. They've also done the Daniel Bryan has to beat Jey Uso to get a world title match thing this month already, too. So, you know, as much as I say I kind of want to see that for Uso, we have kind of already seen that, too. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we're headed to do a three-way, though, on night two. I do. And of course, we'll talk about that on a WrestleMania preview when it solidifies itself. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll reserve judgment until I see things play out. Um, but 
I understand your your reservation though, because in general, I don't love triple threat matches unless there's a really good reason. And they've started to tell a story why there would be this triple threat. Um, so I, I do see that, but in general, it's WrestleMania. Like I want mano y mano kind of thing, you know, um, for the world titles, especially, I, I guess I don't mind as much. It is a little bit of a booking crutch, but I don't mind as much when you have, um, what I think we're going to get eventually here for the SmackDown tag team titles, for instance, it sure seems like they're setting up, um, a multi-team situation there. Uh, the women's tag team titles, it seems like they're setting up a multi-team situation there. I, I don't mind it as much there. I, it's a booking crutch to get everybody on the card. I get that. Um, and especially in this case where if they're going to pay bonuses out and it has anything to do with ticket sales, which they haven't had in a year, um, you kind of want to get everybody on the card so that they get a piece of that pie. Now, of course, you control that also. Even if somebody's not on the card, you could give them a piece of the pie. But anyways, that's, you know, that's a business conversation sometime. Yeah, um, I'll definitely say I liked I liked the way you laid out what you laid out. Um, I don't know that Daniel Bryan J. So running that back again makes the most sense, but I, there isn't another talent that I think you could name right now that fits in that spot outside of Jey Uso. Um, to, unless Jey's ready to come back, but it's still the same thing. It, yeah, um, exactly. Uh, but 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 modeling it after or attempting to rekindle the vibes of the story of WrestleMania 30 and Daniel Bryan's ascension. I can get behind that, I think. Uh, again, we'll see. We'll see. So um, the other big thing, of course, is the return of The Fiend. So uh, the Alexa Bliss-Randy Orton match was was really not a match in, in any way where they had any physical interaction at all. Uh, there's a lot of, like, Randy Orton hits the ring, coughs up the black goo right away, gets, up, gets upset, calls out Bliss. She comes out. There's a lot of, like, stalking around the ring. He had a fire explosion in the ring, which was kind of cool visually from where it was, but I don't know how they did it. I mean, I know how they did it, you know, when I think about it, but like the way that the camera did it, it was just as if fire went off in the middle of Orton on one side, a bliss on the other. Then there was a lighting truss that fell and almost crushed Randy. Then they get back in the ring and, um, and the fiend uh, rips through the, the, the mat, comes through the mat uh, and, 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 Reemerges completely grotesquely disfigured, uh, but still having some of the same visual characteristics of his previous self. Um, and he uh, causes Orton to go down. And uh, there was a cool visual too, where like a fire shot out of the hole that he came through, um, which was interesting because obviously this was taped at a different time. It wasn't live, uh, like I'm sure other matches were on this card. Uh, because that ring got fixed really quickly before the main event, if that was the case. Um, and, and, and then, and then bliss, uh, mounted Randy Orton, uh, to get, to, to, to get the pinfall. No, there was actually like someone I saw on Twitter, uh, after the fact, because I watched this all on Monday, um, that like, oh, Randy Orton's wife's going to be pissed at Alexa Bliss because of how she pinned her man. And, and then I think Randy Orton's wife, even on Twitter was like, you better believe it. Like, I mean, come on, like. These are adults. Like it, it right. wasn't. It wasn't intended to be a pinfall in a sexual manner. I, I was just gonna say I've seen the picture too, and the and the comments and the you know, okay, this is gonna sound really, um, uh, what do I want to say? Cliche, but the twelve year olds in their basement who make the comments, because um, it kind of feels like that's what it is. But but yeah, exactly. From what I I know of the story, what I read of the results, what I everything it. 
there was no intent of that sort of thing. There was no even innuendo of any sexual thing happening in that. It's just a bunch of, I don't know. Yeah. Here, here's my thing. We're all human beings. We all have hormones. I understand that. We also should all have some inner monologue at times. And we can think things, but we don't have to say things. I don't know. There's my PSA for the day. <laughs> just, yeah. I and, and kudos to Randy Orton's wife for playing along and just being like, yeah, of course I'm, you know, I mean, you know, she's not really mad. I mean, come on. Um, not that Randy Orton has the greatest record from my understanding of uh, fidelity, but maybe he's grown in that way, you know, as a human being as well. And it's a wrestling angle. Calm down, people. Yeah, I'll say what, what happened on Fastlane really was better than what happened on, on Raw on Monday where they formally made made the match for WrestleMania. And, and whatever will become of that, I can't imagine it's a straight-up singles one-on-one. There's going to be some gimmicks and some gaga around it. Um, that's to be determined. But the way that Raw ended Monday was Orton comes out, Bliss comes out, the lights go out, The Fiend appears, Orton douses him in gasoline, and hits him with an RKO. Alexa gets in the ring, distracts Randy, The Fiend comes back, Mandible Claw, Sister Abigail lays him out, and then they point to the WrestleMania sign and fire goes off as if it was the Undertaker's entrance. And that and that and that and then and, that, and that, that seemingly was was how they committed to having a match at WrestleMania. Which I mean, okay. We we've seen that commitment made before, yeah, that in that way. Um, and the fiend kind of seems like and I I want to be really careful to not draw too much comparison, but kind of seems like he's going to take a little bit of that Undertaker role. Um, of obviously the the supernatural Gaga stuff that Undertaker always did. Um, but I kind of wonder too, if they're going to try to, I, The Fiend is a character that I don't think you can have wrestling and matches every week on TV. I, I just think you he's got to be an attraction um, kind of thing. And, and I kind of liked before, now we'll see with the burning, whether they do it, where they sometimes had Bray Wyatt in matches and then other time, you know, that would lead towards The Fiend appearing. You know, I liked how they did that in the past sometimes. Um, yeah, this happy-go-lucky, but yet you knew psychotic Bray, um, you know, who was doing the Firefly Funhouse thing. Um, and then eventually, you know, the Fiend would come out when needed. But um, I agree. It, it, it. I hope it's not just a straight one-on-one match. You know, they had a straight, well, it was supposed to be a straight one-on-one match for the WWE title a couple of years back at Mania. And then they did the whole, like, project maggots onto the ring mat thing, and it was just, it was awful, awful. Um, and the match itself wasn't very good. And so I, I'm hopeful that this can be a little redemption and that they do some gaga, but also keep it in the stadium. Um, we've talked about this before. You've got 25,000 fans there, um, which it seems like that's the number they finally settled on. Good for them, by the way, for not pushing to the 45. Let, let's do the safety the first time around, folks. Um, you know, keep it in the stadium where the fans can have that that reaction and, and everything don't get too cutesy with doing things um off stage or cinematic in fact i don't want to see a single cinematic match at wrestlemania you've got fans utilize them you haven't had them for a year do it all in the state you know i mean you're gonna have some backstage segments i'm sure and things like that but maybe not yet as much um but keep it all in the stadium let the fans react that's they're going to be hungry for that. So give it to them. That makes sense at WrestleMania. Anyways, um, 
that's WrestleMania. That's a couple episodes away yet. But um, uh, interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It will, yeah. And then, and, and we're, we can definitely talk about more on this card. But I think the thing I'll close out on is just the whole Braun Strowman and um, Shane McMahon thing angle. Uh, I would definitely say with this, and then carrying over into Monday. Braun Strowman clearly is the babyface. Now, whether you want to support him as the babyface or not, that is a whole nother ball of wax. Um, but it's clear that Shane McMahon, by aligning himself with Elias and Jackson Riker, has definitely gone full heel. And he clearly, you know, faked the injury on, on Sunday to get out of the match and then was completely fine um, and continues to, again, verbally bully Braun Strowman, which, again, like, uh, I, I've i said this on, on last week's episode so I don't want to beat the horse dead again I just think it's really bad and, and, and you know this is going to be a gimmick stunt show Shane's going to climb off a truss and fall and hit an elbow drop on Strowman I, again this is the popcorn match or the bathroom break on Mania without a doubt like I think it's, it is a, or, or it's that car crash element of like you know you should turn away but you can't help but watch and I think it's interesting that this match, along with the Raw Tag Title match, Braun and Shane, as far as Mania goes, that last week or, or earlier this week after Raw, they announced uh, three or four matches uh, for each, I think three matches for each night of WrestleMania so far. And then these two matches are announced for WrestleMania, but they didn't commit to which night yet, which I just think is strange. That, that like, it just feels weird. Um, the other piece I have to say on this, and this goes to Monday night, and Tom, I messaged you about it earlier in the week. Um, have you seen Raw? Have you yes. Yes. I, know, I Okay. Yep. And it ties in here. So yep. Go ahead. Yep. 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 This is where I have to do it. Um, oh my goodness. So they've added in now when Braun does his run around the ring shoulder block thing that he's done for a long time, long time. Um, and, and kind of where they've come up with that whole freight train Stroman Express, you know, um, line. They've added in choo choo sound effects to Braun doing that i would be okay with this if fans were in attendance so so when i saw this play out on raw and i i had, i had no clue what was going to come because i we I, I i saw the post you made in the group that we're part of kind of like calling out the silliness of it and that's what it is there's silliness to this uh but but i would be okay with it if there were fans there and here's why I feel like this is kind of one of those things that they would do, like maybe in in a pro sports setting. You know, like let's say someone is called like the the silverback, right? So if the, if, the, if there's a linebacker nicknamed the silverback, and when he gets a quarterback sack, you have like a gorilla, you know, sound over the PA. That would make sense, right? Or or a player gets a block in a game in basketball, or or throws a dunk down, and there's an and one foul. And whatever like kind of sound effect that you might associate with that player goes off over the PA. That's how I. That's what I uh, associated this with. Mm-hmm. I think it plays better though with people in the crowd and not in a canned presentation such as the Thunderdome. I don't know. I, I, I laughed. I, I laughed and I, and I smiled. Um, and it, it is hokey and silly. It's also very WWE esque. So you know, it is. And 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 I I understand what you're saying, and, and maybe if it happened like right after, if like after he hit the shoulder block, if he went, you know, which he kind of did before, went choo choo, or you know, which 
I'm sorry, but the minute I just did that, I had this visual flashback to 1991 tugboat. Anyways, um, I, I just had a visual flashback to tugboat, um, which God love Fred Ottman is not necessarily the comp the uh, comparison Braun Strowman is probably going for. Um, yeah, I don't just the whole angle is stupid. I to use the word that they continually use. Um, it just yeah, it's you're right. It's the popcorn match. It's the bathroom break. It's the, the this will be the match where I'm not upset that you can't pause Peacock. Speaking of which. Tom, you mentioned at the top of this, I don't want to bury that lead, um, that you had happy things to say about Peacock. I have not yet watched any WWE on Peacock. Um, I've been using the network um, to watch. I've seen last week's NXT, and then um, we're actually making the switch from Hulu to Sling uh, here currently. And so I've been watching this week's NXT on Sling just to kind of get uh, familiar with those controls. I can fast forward ads on Sling. Yay, it makes me happy. Um, anyways, for the stuff I record. So, um, but but let me hear your good news on Peacock. I'm I'm excited to hear this. I don't sure. know what so, it is. Yeah, so the po the positive praise that I want to give on Peacock, um, I'm gonna pause on that because I want to just now only here's because this this came out. I'm gonna say something nice, but not yet. <laughs> it was, it was, it's not a it's not a negative critique because I think there's some validity to this, but I think completists will will have a problem with it and I understand that. So it's it's broken over the last 24 36 hours or so that uh NBC Universal Standards and Practices are going through the WWE content that they now will be putting on Peacock and they are making edits. Like for example, the Roddy Piper blackface against Bad News Brown from WrestleMania 6 and some other culturally or otherwise insensitive things. I understand that. And I understand that you have a standards and practices department that uh, and ethics and a culture that you want to maintain. I also acknowledge that those things that you're editing happened 30, 40, whatever number of years ago. And you could always have a disclaimer there. I think like with ACW content on the network before this transition happened, there was always a you know, please be mindful. This is this is not indicative of our beliefs, yada, 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 whatever, whatever they said. I think you used to have a disclaimer um, ahead of any card that had Chris Benoit on it. Right. So again, I think you could, I think you could, I, I think that would be sufficient, but I don't think that that's going to put it, put out any fires that people would potentially create. So I understand why they're doing what they're doing. Um, as a completist, I would be really bummed of tuning into WrestleMania six, for example, and then having, am I, is my enjoyment of watching the event if I wanted to watch it in full, going to be lessened because no Roddy Piper Bad News Brown match? No, um, likely not. At the same time, like I want to watch the card in full if if I'm paying for something. Now, granted, right now I'm not paying for Peacock. I have that through my relationship with Xfinity and, and because they're our cable internet provider, but that might not be forever. So I just wanted to name that just because that obviously is a big story that, that's come out this week. And and I know as a, as a world, as a country, as as as, as humans as as we evolve continually there's been a lot more sensitivity uh around things like this and 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 justifiably so i mean i think that that there's a place and a time for you know removing like the the bad history of of things at the same time too like it's there so you don't repeat it in the same space so i wanted to just, uh, to call that out and have that be part of our discussion um any, any any thoughts on your end related to that or or, or yeah, how do you I, feel? I 
personally, the disclaimer is plenty for me, for me. But I agree with you. I, I don't, I, there is a vocal group. I don't want to say even my majority or minority because I don't know. Um, and, and I don't know that we can quantify it anyways, but there's a vocal portion of folks. Now, do I think, and I want to be really careful here, but do I think there is a, a group of folks in the world who will complain no matter what you do? Yes. Probably both directions, frankly. There's probably two groups of people um, who will complain no matter what you do. I think we see that in our political discourse. I don't want to get into politics here. That's not what our, what our podcast is about. But I think we see that in the world. Um, and as a company that has shareholders, which both WWE and Universal um, are, uh, you know, you've got to make some decisions. I was I was disappointed but not surprised when I saw that news, um, if that makes sense. Uh, they also pulled, you know, Vince McMahon using the N-word, which, frankly, um, I think was a terrible idea even when it happened. Um, you know, the Piper Blackface thing probably wasn't a great idea in WrestleMania six time either. But I don't know that that was looked at that time as negatively as it now is and, and should be. Uh, again, I, you know, I want to be clear on that. But um, but the, the, the Vince McMahon thing, I don't... That word has always been offensive. Not always, but at that point in time, it was still offensive. Very offensive, you know, like, and had been for some, quite, quite some time. Um, you know, it's not like it was from the 1950s and it happened, um, which it was still wrong then, but culturally was a different world at that point. It, you know, in the 90s, early 2000s, whenever that was, it must have been early 2000s that that happened. Um, you know, that was a bad idea and should be cut. And that can be cut without feeling like it's such a big cut, like you cut a whole match. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see, and I have not looked, I'll be honest, I think I've shared with you before, I probably said on the podcast, I have not watched a Chris Benoit match since the events that transpired at the end of his life. Um, I just, myself can't do it. I don't begrudge anybody else that wants to watch one. Um, I have watched events that he is on, and I just choose to skip that match. And and with WWE Network, that was very easy to do because um, I could just scroll down. Level, you know, I, I use Roku, and in Roku's, you can pop down each match as its own little chapter, I guess, for lack of a better word. So I could realize, oh, this is the Benoit match. Okay, go down, hop to the next match. Fine. Again, my own personal choice. Um, those of the, those skips like that are not available yet on Peacock. Maybe they will be by this summer. We'll see. Um, I think it will be interesting to see is Chris Benoit on Peacock. I, I think he probably is now because I haven't heard anything that he's not. And there are certainly WrestleManias up that he is on. Um, I know there were a couple of WrestleManias that were missing at this point, but um, it's not like the whole, you know, six or eight or however many he was on or are not there. Um, does Benoit get cut off Peacock? I don't know. Um, that's not as visually offending to people who don't know as the blackface might be. Um, people who are not wrestling fans aren't may not know about Chris Benoit. Um, and I've now said his name more times on this podcast than we probably ever have um, because we just don't don't go there. But uh, I, it'll be interesting to see. I, I get it. I, I get it. And I'm disappointed about it at the same time, but I get it. Yeah. Well, so, so then let's close on a positive note. So yeah. my network subscription um, was set to expire on the Monday after the pay-per-view. 
So I watched, as I shared, I watched on the network on Sunday, the women's tag match and caught the end of the Riddle Mustafa Ali match. Uh, I did not do a toast to the network. So I, that opportunity was lost on me. Um, so then because I've be I, still got it until the fourth. So there, there you go. So then on Monday, um, I didn't know when Monday I would lose access. So throughout my day on Monday, when I had gaps of time uh, and availability to, I was watching the matches that I had missed on Sunday night. Well, I had gotten to the middle of the Drew McIntyre Sheamus match and had to pause it on the network. And then when I went to go back and hit play, uh, it said, I got a message that I couldn't, my access was gone. I was like, okay, well, here's the Peacock test run. So I jumped over to Peacock and I mean, it was promoted right on the on their main screen for how it was how how the app displays on my smart TV, and was able to go right to it. Was able to fast forward with ease to that match, um, and and I watched the rest of the card without any issue at all um, on Peacock. So my first experience on Peacock and with Peacock exceeded my expectations. I was really nervous. And I shouldn't probably have been because I watched, I rewatched Punky Brewster, the original and the reboot, some of it. We watched Little House in the Prairie. I've not yet watched The Office and I should because I haven't yet finished that series um, before it got taken off of Netflix when I was doing a rewatch. Um, so I should have known that Peacock had the capacity to like provide high quality streaming. You know, they're not like brand new on the block, right? But, but my WWE network experience and the transition to Peacock, I had a sense of um, nervousness about that. And it was quickly quelled. Now, mind you, I haven't gone back to watch it since that time. I probably won't use it again to watch anything, I guess, or I think, probably until I'm ready to watch Stand and Deliver Night 2. But I don't know. Um, So at least for now, for for the purpose that I needed it for, it, 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 it it met my need right from the bat. So I was thankful for that. And it sounds to me like, from what I've heard, like the on-demand um, experience, other than the fact that you can't, you know, choose which match kind of thing and things like that, um, it sounds like the on-demand experience is, is pretty decent, pretty good. Um, the live experience, I know they had some some issues. Um, and I, I know WWE put out a statement that basically said those will be dealt with. Um, and that was like all they said. Um, so you could tell they probably weren't real happy with whatever those issues might have been. Um, but I also, we've named it, that's why they did Fastlane this way. That's why it was on both the network and Peacock. Um, because if there would have been someone like me who had access to both, um, and you did on Sunday, if we would have been watching live, had you flipped on Peacock and there were problems streaming, you could have gone to the network and gotten it apparently just fine. Um, now, of course, the, the easy, uh, what do I want to say, jump from that is, well, it happened to Fastlane, they better get it figured out before Mania. That's part of why Stand and Deliver is happening on Thursday night on the Peacock Network as well, as well as the WWE Hall of Fame, which will be on on Tuesday night, which is not live. It's taped. But nonetheless, they're going to stream it live, um, you know, and and everything else that they're doing uh, that week. So um, it'll be interesting. Um, And the funny thing is, I probably won't, most likely won't watch either Stand and Deliver Night 2 or WrestleMania Night 2 live. Night, WrestleMania Night 1, I am planning to watch live. Um, the other ones I'm going to have to watch uh, after the fact just because of other obligations that I have. So um, so I'll get a taste that week of both 
sides of it, uh, both the on-demand and the the live. Um, and hopefully they've got that worked out because, I mean, if they have massive live problem, massive problems with the live stream for WrestleMania, whoo, doggy, yeah, they're going to get that fast lane's one thing. Mania is, you know, lots of people watch WrestleMania that don't watch any other wrestling show all year. Um, or maybe they watch the Rumble in Mania or kind of thing. You know what I mean? Well, and they've, they've promoted that the uh, this is the opportunity for more people than ever in the history of, of mankind. And that's you know, a, it's a joking statement, but it's true. There'll be more eyes with the ability to watch WrestleMania this year in the way that they can see it than ever before. So if you're looking to reach a new audience or if you're thinking people that, never before thought about this, but it is the Super Bowl of wrestling and they choose to do that. If they have a poor experience, you're not, you, you get one shot you get one shot with most folks. And if you don't hit a home run, they're not coming back for more. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred, 110%. Um, we'll just, it'll be interesting. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Fastlane was just to close on Fastlane. It was a quick show. It, it, it was nice and tight. I think it was like 2.30 um, minus the minus, minus the, the hour long pre-show, which had the U.S. title match. Um, again, these are the, these, this, is, this is the new era of, of pay-per-view until fans return. So I don't expect Mania. And now, granted, it's going to be two nights, but I don't expect it to be two hours and 30 minutes each night. I think expect it to be much longer, probably upwards in the three and a half to four hour range easily. Uh, and then we'll see what we'll see. We'll see when we get to whatever the May, either late April or May pay-per-view is. Um, I should probably know that, know that extreme rules or something like that. Uh, backlash, backlash. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what that looks like coming to you, coming to you live from the, 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 the third destination of the Thunderdome. Yes, yes. Moving into uh, moving into a new arena soon, so that the uh, Rays can can uh, take back over Tropicana Field. So, well, let's put a pin in WWE because we're going to spend the next two episodes, at least, of this uh, podcast diving deep into NXT and WWE because of uh, Takeover and WrestleMania coming. Um, and and at some point here as well, we'll get in some more AEW conversation as well, maybe next week as well. But uh, we've got 10 matches to get through for Ring of Honor. So let's head into that so that we don't make this another Broadway. Um, yeah, and and before we dive into the, the picks, just quick ROH anniversary memories. We were talking yeah. about this before we hit record. Um, both of us um, have had the chance to, A, number one, it should be clear to our listeners that we're both longtime fans of Ring of Honor. Um, and have, there's a long lineage of our connection back to this promotion. Uh, even though that it's not the same thing that we fell in love with back in the day. Uh, but we each had the chance to attend some anniversary shows in the past. Um, so just any quick memories before we talk about the 19th anniversary? Yeah, you know, I've, I've followed Ring of Honor since day one. Um, mostly was reading results. I was on the Ring of Honor message board. In fact, that's where you and I met. Um, well, we met in Chicago, but, um, you know, first had any discourse uh, on the ring of honor message board um there were a number of of number of events that uh because you went to uh, i think it's fair to say the vast majority of live events for a a stretch there um or 
a lot of live events for a stretch there. Um, lots of times you and I were connecting uh, and doing results. You were sending them on to me by text and I was uh, putting them up on the Ring of Honor message board. Um, I always thought it was kind of cool that I was the first person outside of the arena that knew what was happening. Um, you know, I don't know. It's kind of a nerd, nerd thing, but uh, this is all pre-Twitter, right? So, like, imagine, like, oh, yeah. imagine how we're how in in today's day and age, and even on Facebook too. This is kind of a little bit pre-Facebook. You know, you can find out something in, in the split second now when news breaks. It's not how it was when Ring of Honor started in 2002, 2003, 04, 05. So, right. This was this was text messaging. Yeah. Uh, you know, this was and and you had lots of character limits. So, um, you know, and then the fun part in the message board was you would have lots of people asking for more details. Um, you know, Samoa Joe beat somebody and they're like, well, what move did he use? And, and was it a good match? And was it 10 minutes? Was it, you know, and it's like, you gave as much detail as, as one could. And I don't mean you per specific time, but you, cause I also, um, would text results sometimes to others, um, when I was at shows, if uh, if you weren't there, or, you know, we'd always kind of set that up ahead of time. You try to have somebody texting results to somebody and uh, you, you try to give as much as you could, but you're also there to enjoy a show. You didn't want to spend your whole night, you know, texting the whole time either. Um, and it's kind of funny to say that because now you have people who sit at a wrestling show pre COVID and live tweet the whole darn thing um, and are on their phone the whole time. And it's like, I don't I don't know how you're enjoying this. Um, but anyways, I digress. My from very exper- first from experience, I can tell you that the times I've done that, I've missed things that I'm like, why am I doing this? Right. Oh no, absolutely, hundred uh, percent. Especially because there were always often post match angles and things, and so you're on your phone. Um, I can remember vividly being on my phone. I can't tell you exactly what the angle was, but no, numerous times in Chicago, and I'm on my phone texting, you know, you or whoever, um, what had happened. And then I'd hear, you know, boom, because somebody, you know, gets power bombed or whatever. And I'd look at my brother and go, what I miss? What happened? You know, like, um, and he just laughed because I'm there. I am on my phone texting away, you know, fast Eddie beat somebody or whatever. I don't know. Um, that's, no, a throw, that's a throwback. Fast Eddie of all people. It came to my mind. Um, not homicide, not Brian Danielson. No, fast Eddie comes to my mind. Um so my very first Ring of Honor show uh, live was Reborn Stage 2, their Chicago Ridge debut, which was right after the whole um, former owner had his controversy. Let's just say it that way. Um, TNA pulled a lot of their talent, so a number of the guys that I was really excited to see um, weren't able to be on this show, but it turned into a, a really a rebirth for Ring of Honor, and I absolutely loved that show. Felt I enjoyed Ring of Honor before that. Um, I had started to buy the DVDs and was buying all of the DVDs at that point. Although I kind of picked, I don't remember what it was, what my first show that I bought was, but I kind of picked a starting point to get me up to speed before that Reborn show. Um, And then it went back and ended up, um, for a while I had all of the Ring of Honor or most of the Ring of Honor DVDs. I've got very far, far, far for you now. I've sold most of them. But um that was my first show. Um, walked in, we found ourselves a spot on the bleachers that when we found ourselves a spot at the top of the bleachers. So we had a backrest, which was so much better than anywhere else in those bleachers in Chicago Ridge. Um, actually walked right past uh, CM Punk and Ace Steel, uh, who were standing there talking to some folks and and now wish I would have asked if we could have gotten a quick picture with them. It was my brother and I. Um, never did, but alas, oh well. And uh, yeah, so that was my first live Ring of Honor show. I was at the third anniversary show uh, that happened. I think I was at 
just Chicago. That's right. Third third anniversary was New Jersey, Dayton, and Chicago. Um, I was at just the Chicago show. I was going to say Wauwatosa as well, but that was Death Before Dishonor. That was the second um, run in Chicago. Third anniversary was the third show in Chicago. I was at that. Um, I was at every Chicago show for a couple of years until I had to miss one for work or something. But uh, And then I was at the fifth anniversary festival in Chicago as well. So I've been to two anniversary shows. Tom, you've been to a couple more anniversary shows than I have, though. Yeah. So, uh, you know, back to your, you know, one of your first comments, it, it, I, I had at some point and I know it exists somewhere in, you know, I'm not a hoarder, but I do keep things of like little notes here and there and just kind of like, like a memory book, if you will. I had listed at one point how many Ring of Honor shows I had attended ever. And, it, and I had broken it down at one point year by year. But yeah, I want to say in those first, first four years, at least, I want to say that I went to a about 50 to 60 shows, which is kind of crazy in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but I, I, I did it. It was able to happen in my life uh, for good, bad, or otherwise. Uh, and that is a, you know, there's, there's a lot more to that statement, but uh, that is, that is the reality. Uh, but yes. So I was able to go again. I, I went to the first ring of honor show in Philadelphia uh, went with my dad and a friend and a friend's friend. Uh, and we made a whole weekend out of that. We had actually gone to Phoenix Championship Wrestling the night before. Uh, and, of course, the big draw for us was these guys we would heard about, but, of course, Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero as well. And Eddie Guerrero had fought Nova at the Phoenix Championship Wrestling Show in Jersey. And we stayed in Philly uh, both nights. Uh, but we went and saw Eddie Guerrero two nights in a row. That was a big deal. Uh, fast forward a year later. Uh, first anniversary show. I mean, we had followed Ring of Honor hardcore. I had been to at least three, maybe four shows in that first year, uh, without a doubt. So I was definitely hooked into being a Ring of Honor fan. And that first anniversary show uh, was huge because Paul London had made his ascension and there was a bunch of other cool things. Even though the main event of that show was the goofy, like, scramble match, um, which is not really the one that's revered out of that. It's Paul Lennon versus Xavier. Um, there was a three-way that led to Paul Lennon in that match. I want to say it was low-key AJ Styles, Paul Lennon. Maybe I'm mis mistaking someone there. Um, again, playing off the three-way from the previous year. And then, of course, and there was the brawl angle with uh, Steve Carino and Homicide, which was uh, arguably the scariest live event moment, even though I know it's a work now. Um, I don't think that everyone was clued in that it was a work at that time, uh, and it will ever for it will ever go down in history for me as like the only time I've ever been personally fearful for my safety and those around me at a wrestling show. Uh, but it was the the angle is hot, like to tell you to be in that space. And then not only that, again, I was a previous ECW diehard fan. Like I loved ECW. It's how I got into tape trading. Like my, my it was the promotion. You know, I was a Monday Night Wars guy, and I loved WWF, and I was dig into that and, and then follow nitro as well ecw was always like what i wanted to do as a as a you know teen and late teen you know the the violence the the sex the, the you know everything that was you know that, that was the adolescent mind and what, what i was drawn to so being able to go to the elks lodge in queens where, where which had been a hotbed for ecw was a big deal too so um so yeah that was the anniversary show number one a year later, we go to anniversary show number two, which was the launch of the Peer title, and they had the Peer title tournament. Um, that was in Boston. Um, don't remember a whole lot about that show, but the venue was interesting. We had like second row seats. Uh, then I went to two of the third anniversary shows in Dayton and Chicago that, that you had alluded to. Did not go to the fourth anniversary. 
did go to uh, the fifth anniversary festival had a lot of shows. It was across uh, six different events and uh, five, four different venues, as I'm looking here on my notes. And I went to the, the Dayton and Chicago legs of that. That was the interesting one where they ran a completely different venue in Chicago outside of the uh, the Frontier Fieldhouse. Um, and I think it was the only time, if I'm not mistaken, they ran the Windy City Fieldhouse. Um, not a bad place to get to. Um, I, I remember the weather uh, being being bad at that one, um, but also a fun event overall. Um, after that, uh, and again, that was 07. After that, it dies off. And and again, I don't want to say like, you know, that's also the same year or within the year that Gabe Sapolsky got let go and Ring of Honor went through a, a philosophy change of sorts. It still was very high quality, and I still went to a lot of Ring of Honor shows after that. But um, I would definitely say my, my Ring of Honor peak fandom probably goes like 02 to 08, and with maybe like 07 being like where it kind of started to to shift and, and change. Um, but yeah, lots of fun memories from from anniversary shows past. Now, you know, being at the first and second anniversary probably are the two big things, um, just because of the historical uh kind of nature of them the launch of the pure title then of course you know there's only ever one anniversary uh or only only ever one first anniversary so um and here we are tonight uh they will be broadcasting live the 19th anniversary i i i've, I've disliked that in the years that we've had more recently they've gotten away from celebrating the anniversary in february and they tend to do it in march because March isn't their anniversary. Uh, it's February 23rd, 2002. I know you can't uh, do you know, it on that date every year. That would be unreasonable because they don't always fall on Fridays, Saturdays, or Sundays. Um, but just a, just a small nitpick is when they do it on, in, on, in March, it's like, eh, that's not your real anniversary. It's a, their anniversary plus one month. Here's hoping that next year, I just fast forwarded to 2022 in, in my calendar. Uh, the 23rd is a Wednesday. So yeah, that's that's not going to happen. But let's hope it's the 20th or 27th next year for the 20th anniversary. Uh, it would be nice. I agree. So thinking back to that fifth year festival, just a quick funny story. Um, yeah, the Windy City Fieldhouse was an okay venue. Uh, we sat back in the corner. Um, we, were, we had G general admission seats, I believe, my brother and I. And uh, sat back in the corner, kind of, yeah, in the corner is the best way to say it, on on folding chairs. And uh, for the first probably half to three quarters of the show, we could hear the basketballs bouncing on the court just directly behind us because um, there was just the curtain kind of pulled between uh, <clears throat> the the courts where the wrestling show was happening where basketball was being played. And there were referee whistles and things. And so it was a little bit weird. And then I don't remember exactly. I would have to go back and look at the show results. I don't have them in front of me right now. But Delirious did a run in after the match to make the save for somebody. And uh, he ran in from the corner where we were because we came through the crowd kind of thing. And uh, my brother had recently injured his shoulder, uh, his right shoulder, I think it was. And uh, so he was sitting and he and I were kind of sitting and Ted was on the edge. I was... Um, to the inside, I guess, although my memory is that it was kind of two chairs that were kicked. We kicked them off to the side a little bit anyways to give ourselves room. And uh, so while Delirious is waiting to make his uh, save, he's right behind my brother's right shoulder that he's just hurt. And he put his hand on Ted's shoulder 
I think to alert him that he was there so he wouldn't like startle him or Ted wouldn't turn around and deck him. I don't know, something. And like kind of grabbed the shoulder that Ted had hurt. And then he ran into the ring and he did his whole thing. And I mean, Ted was in pain from this grab that Delirious had grabbed his shoulder. And he's like, I turned around, I almost punched the guy. And then I realized it was Delirious and I probably shouldn't do that. I was like, oh, oh man. So, I mean, and he wasn't like in a sling or anything. It was, um, so there was no way Delirious could have known that. Certainly not his fault in any way, shape or form. He was just, he might've been using my brother to hide behind actually too, a little now that I think about that. Um, because my brother was a big guy in Delirious. Yeah, not so big. Um, so he might've been hiding a little bit too, so that people didn't, um, you know, start yelling out Delirious, Delirious or whatever. Um, anyways, just a funny little story. Um, yeah, Delirious grabbed my brother's shoulder and my brother almost killing Delirious without Delirious knowing that he was about to die. Yeah. I remember very, 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 very specifically about that venue and how it was kind of like, um, I'm going to call a north south kind of splits of like a sport court. And like you had the ring of honor section with a partition, but it wasn't like anywhere near like a sound barrier partition. So no. if there was basketball and soccer and volleyball happening on the next couple of consecutive courts over, you could hear that. So like my, my in my mind, I'm like, are you going to be able to hear like whistles and like, and, and buzzers and like on the DVD when you play it back, like of course, when they had their, their, their intros and the music, you know, of course it drowns that out. But like when you're having a match, you're, depending on how quiet or not quiet the crowd is, is that background noise going to feed into the DVD broadcast? And I don't even remember if that was the case, but I remember sitting there thinking, Oh man, what a, what a bummer. And, and, and the flip side of that, if I'm playing basketball on the other court, all of a sudden you hear this like, slamming and boom and you know cheering and loud music i don't know it would have been distracting but uh yeah i think it was the only time they ran that venue and and that's okay i i have a special place in my heart for the frontier field house so i was glad when they got back there they've run a couple others in chicago as well but oh for the day that you and i can both get to a ring of honor show live again tom i'm looking forward to that um and it'd be fun to to be at one together as well well, let's look at this one, which uh, neither of us are going to be at because they've already taped it, let's be honest. <laughs> but uh, tonight's show is going to kick off with hour number one, um, and we're going to talk about one of the matches in hour number one now and one of them in a little bit because um, we want to do it kind of in order of importance, maybe, I guess, for lack of a better word. But we've got a four-corner survival tonight. Uh, nothing on the line, as far as we know. It's not like for a TV title shot or anything like that. But uh, all of these folks, I believe, are in the TV division Um so maybe if that matters, but it's Danhausen versus Brian Johnson. And they've obviously had a little bit of a situation going on with the two of them. Uh, LSG is the third gentleman. And then Eli Isom um, is going to be the fourth guy. And uh, let's see, I'm behind. So I'll get the first pick um, on these. So interesting four guys, four guys who are all young and I think have some upside. Uh, so that's good. Kind of wish we had Tony Deppen somewhere in here. Uh, or Fred Yehi. Interesting that neither of those guys appear here. Uh, but uh, yet, yet nobody in this one that I would say, oh well, you know, what are, what are they doing in here? You know, Isom or uh, Isom um, Deppen should be here instead, or something like that. Eli Isom got a big win last week, a big singles win over Ray Horace, uh, one third of Mexico Squad, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, Got to be honest, I didn't see that win coming uh, when I heard. That or saw that that match was happening on TV, I was like, okay, Ray Horace gets a win here to to build towards his six man title shot, you know, that he's involved with at the at the pay per view. So I didn't see Isom getting that win. Um, 
LSG has also had some some good showings and, and big wins. Um, and Brian Johnson and Dan Housen have mostly been tangled up with each other, although Johnson did lose a match to Dak Draper uh, a while back on TV or week by week. I can't remember which one it was. But, um, you know, four ways are always a little bit wonky. You know, you, you just don't know. You can go lots of different ways with them, um, depending on if you have some sort of an angle coming out of it. Do Brian Johnson and Dan Housen kind of eliminate, not eliminate each other, because this isn't elimination rules as far as we know, but... Do they kind of take each other out of the picture and it comes down to LSG and Eli Isom one-on-one? Um, I think that's certainly got a possibility to it. Um, because Isom got such a, a featured spot just a week ago, I'm going to go Eli Isom in this match, but I won't. When we do our picks for our fantasy wrestling league that we often talk about on here, we do confidence points. Uh, because it's a four-way, it probably would have been my one anyways. And, with the four guys here, I could see any one of them getting the win. Um, there's nobody that I look at go, oh, there's no chance that person wins. More than likely, I see Brian Johnson taking the fall just because it plays into his gimmick so well. Um, him losing actually does him more than I think winning does right now, building that gimmick of just this angry, angry man. Um, but I, I think Isom gets the win. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said here. It's an interesting thing. I was trying to, when you were starting to to share your feelings on this match, look up and see if I could find the rankings. I wish, and I'm not able to navigate quickly enough, If even if they're available on the website. Um, I know they release them in week by week, which is one thing, but that's a, it's, an, it's a visual video. Like So to, to have them posted like AEW does via Twitter and probably on their on the website, I, I'm guessing there, would be would be ideal um, because I do think this in a way is a TV title eliminator match, if you will. Uh, I, I went with him to be the winner of the four way at final battle um, because I wanted to see him versus dragon Lee. Uh, I hope that, and, and they still have built him in, in, in the interim, not as regularly because they've kind of, they've had their focus and they've had a more talent featured and more stories featured as they've built to this card. But I'm going to go with LSG. Um, I think that maybe he beats Eli Isom and then Isom looked strong and that helps boost LSG towards a higher spot and a title shot. Yeah. I think Dan Housen and Johnson are there to, to lead to whatever their issue will become. Um, and I, I, I think I think they still really want to get behind LSG. I think that they had more momentum in the fall, especially when he took Jay Lethal to the draw, and that is not not really forgotten. But the, the, the striking while the iron is hot, which you could have done after that, has not had the follow up that I would have liked. So we out of the gate, we differ on picks. So there we go. There we go. So when uh, Isom gets the big win tonight, I will be because that probably will be the first match. I assume. Um, I'm guessing they're going to start with that and then, then do the six-man title match since that is also on our number one. But we're going to talk about the six-man a little bit. Um, so we'll be even when I, Eli Isom gets the big win tonight on our number one. Um, or I'll be two down. Um, or or we could be even if Dan Housen or Brian Johnson wins this. I mean, this is one of those matches where nothing could happen to our standings as well if we're both wrong. So, Well, let's go to the match that I, I'm just looking forward to more than any match on this card. Um Note heavy sarcasm. Uh, I've made crystal clear on this show uh, my dislike for Flip Gordon. But uh, Flip Gordon versus Mark Briscoe, uh, they've done a decent job 
you know, kind of giving a reason for this match. But Tom, you've got the first pick on this one. So uh you going with Briscoe or my boy Flip? Yeah, I'm going with your boy Flip. And and, and I feel like this is a it's a double whammy for you because you dislike him and then he's gonna cause you to cause you to have to, you know, make up ground against me potentially. Uh you probably will pick him too if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, there's no reason for Flip Gordon to not win here, in my opinion. He's more um He's he's actually had more of a story brewing in terms of like the mercenary and he got banned from the pure division. Um, so now he's only eligible to fight for the world title, world world title or the TV title. Um, I think the TV title probably is the spot, but he does have a world title shot in his back pocket. Um, yeah, I see Flip Gordon beating Mark Briscoe here. Briscoe is he's a tag wrestler by nature. Like the only thing if Mark Briscoe wasn't in this. You know, and this issue wasn't at foot. He'd be part of the four-way because Jay Briscoe is tied up with with his opponent. So, yeah, I expect this to be a good match. These are both talented wrestlers. Personal beliefs about Flip Gordon aside, uh, you know, he he is good in the ring. Now, granted, I think like he's not as hot as he once was as an in-ring property. That doesn't mean the talent's not there. Um, so, yeah, Flip Gordon's my pick. Yeah, you're. I, I... It's it's hard for me. I don't I can't say that Flip Gordon's not a talented wrestler. Um, he doesn't click for me personally uh, in the ring too, but it's not because like he's sloppy or anything like that. I don't know. There's and it's probably just my own like, as I've said, my own thing about just how he handles himself on Twitter and and some of the things he talks about that as a person I just shake my head um, and that bleeds over. Yeah, we've we've gone down the road. I don't need to to explain my my dislike for Flip Gordon too much more uh, other than to say that it pains me to say he's going to win this match. Um, you're 100% right. Um, could they do a he slips on a banana peel and Mark Briscoe rolls him up kind of thing and it makes him even more mad about things? Sure, they could. But that to me feels like a TV angle, not a pay-per-view angle if, they're, if they were going to do something like that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. They could have done that to lead to this match or something like that if they wanted. Um, Briscoe kind of already got his revenge for Gordon costing he and Jay uh, the tag title shot by by interfering and causing Flip to lose to Flamita, uh, which I was happy about for so many reasons. Um, not the least of which is, yes, my dislike of Flip, but I also really do like Flamita, as I said before. Uh, but Flip, like you said, he's got a world title shot. He certainly, as a singles competitor, is more featured than Mark Briscoe. Um, I'm glad that they give us a reason for this match, at least, uh, and a couple of weeks reason, a couple of steps on the story to get here. Um, so I, I am glad for that because I think sometimes uh, Ring of Honor can book matches that I'm like, okay, uh, why? And and we've got one or two here on this show that are, are a little bit that way. Um, th- that there's some story, but maybe not enough to make me think it's worthy of the anniversary show. Um, but this one, I think they've done a nice job over the last few weeks, uh, month or so of, of doing that. So, yeah, Flip gets the win. Enough said about him. Uh, <laughs> all right, we go to uh, go to a match that has some story, and this is one of the ones that I was kind of alluding to. And, and it does have some story, but again, I feel like, gosh, this could have been on TV. I don't even know why this needs to be on the pay-per-view necessarily. But Josh Woods versus Dalton Castle, we have seen the return of Silas Young, uh, who... Uh, is looking to get the tag team back together with he and Josh Woods and definitely had a a more aggressive tone, kind of a little heelish 
tone in his promo when he when he confronted, I guess, for lack of a better word, Josh Woods and kind of kind of saying, you know, why don't we get back to kicking butt instead of you being a little bit your goofy self? Because Josh Woods is a goofy guy, um, at, at least the character he plays. And I kind of assume that that's, um, you know, him turned up a little bit, um, you know, his own personality turned up a little bit, which is kind of what made two guys one tag somewhat entertaining is you have Silas who, uh, you know, on camera last laughed in 1953 um and josh woods who's a little more goofy i you know silas might be a total crack up in real life i don't i don't know i've never um, i've seen silas young lots the only the only time i've ever seen silas young crack a little bit um you might remember this tom you were there we were sitting together at uh, dragon gate usa show and he used to come out when he was in his aaw days uh he used to come out to don't stop believing by journey and uh, he came out, and I want to say it was just the intro, um, or, or wherever the song ended, we all as the crowd just kept singing, uh, Don't Stop Believing. And, you know, he just kind of stood there and looked out of the side of his eye at all of us, and, and you saw a little smirk on his face, like, well, guess I'm over at least, or my song is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so so Silas, I think, plays a role here. I, I don't think there's any question that Silas plays a role. My question is, does Josh Woods take him up on it? And do we see a more aggressive side of Josh Woods, which would be interesting since Dalton Castle seems to be leaning towards the heel side as well. Um, or does Josh, you know, Silas try to interfere and Josh doesn't want him to. And we have some sort of a, a breakup of Silas Young and Josh Woods. Um, I kind of feel like that's more where we're going because I think they see a lot in Josh Woods. Um, They've been pushing him as a singles since the restart. Uh, he had a nice run in the pure title tournament. I just, I don't think putting Josh Woods back into the tag team with Silas Young makes the most sense right now. As much as the tag team division could use some tag teams that are are established or or become, you know, a real tag team and not just kind of, I mean, let's be honest, although they're members of the same stable, right now our tag team champions are two singles guys uh, who are thrown together. Frankly, even Lethal and Gresham were kind of two singles guys uh, who were thrown, were put together. They had a nice little run as tag champs, but, and they had a, a, they told a story why they were together, but I like tag teams like the Briscoes, like Sons of Savagery, um, you know, who are tag teams. I, you know, I, look, I grew up in the 80s. We had the Killer Bees and the Heart Foundations and the Bulldogs and the Demolition and Road Warriors. That's what I like is tag teams that look like tag teams. Two guys, one tag could be that. Uh, you know, I always kind of felt like they were two singles guys, though, too, even when they were tagging. So I think Young gets involved and somehow ends up costing Woods this match, um, which I feel weird saying I think Dalton Castle is going to win. But I think Castle gets the win, but I think the it's much more about Josh Woods losing than it is about Dalton Castle winning. Um, so I'm going to go with Castle and feel totally unsure about that. Yeah, I'm going to go with Castle too, but my reasons are different. Um, so there was a, a segment, and I forget if it was on TV or if it was on the week by week, where like by, by virtue of Castle's win over Woods, he was back in the rankings for the pure title. Um, we'll talk about the pure title and the challenger momentarily. I actually would prefer to see Castle rise back up to that. I think this is the way he does that. This is not a pure match. That's the one thing that they've done. They said that those, the previous two matches between these two that were a 50-50 split were both pure matches. Um, this being a straight-up wrestling match, 
I think lends itself to having Silas Young interfere because he can't get fired. Because that's again, if it was a pure match and he got he gets fired. Um, I do think the long term story is Woods and Silas, and and perhaps you know he by way of him losing here, whether by hook or by crook or Silas involvement or lack thereof, it's the motivation that Silas says, "Hey, listen, Josh, I told you we're better as a team." But then in that team setting, they still don't click and they're used to, to boost the team towards a future title shot and their eventual feud and breakup. Uh, so, yeah, my pick is Castle as well. And I think that the, the intent then is that Castle is, which is surprising because two months ago, at least based on the rumor mill, his, his Ring of Honor future was uncertain. And he certainly seemed to have been at the bottom of the barrel. So he's working his way up. And I think eventually a pure title shot is where his destination will be. So um, I can't disagree with your pick. And so we match there. Castle is my pick as well. Um, I'm actually excited for this match. They actually, the, the two TV matches they've had um, were good. So I'm eager to see them again, hook it up again. Um, and I, I almost want to say without the constraint of pure rules, but because they're not a constraint, they can be used cre- creatively. But now just in a straight wrestling match, um, the handcuffs in a, I don't mean that in a bad way, but the handcuffs of the pure rules are off. No. And I think, I think you're onto something there. It does involve, you know, it, like you said, it allows for Silas to be involved because of that, that rule about being fired. Um, and I, I do think for a while ring of honor got a little too reliant on the pure rules. Um, so I like that we only have one pure rules match in the, on this show. Um, and it should be for the pure title. Fear not. There's a pure pure rules gauntlet match on TV this weekend. So right. yeah. I saw that. <laughs> um, and, and it probably will be very good. Um, but I have they said who's in it? I, I have not seen. No. Okay. So I, I, I made the mistake of not uh, having my DVR set to record Ring of Honor last weekend. So the first Ring of Honor TV episode I've missed in full since they've since they've come back or maybe one other time I missed some of it and without a recording issue due to sports. Um, so yeah, so I'm actually when I'm making some of these picks, I feel like I'm totally or not not 100% in the clear. Uh, I feel like I might have missed storyline stuff from last weekend's episode. Well, and that'll be be a problem I have moving forward because since we're dumping Hulu live, we'll keep Hulu, but dumping Hulu live, we're gonna I will lose uh, my weekly recording of Ring of Honor. Um, I'll be able to watch it on after Monday night at six o'clock when it debuts on fight fight TV, because it's free there. Um, But uh, I am going to, to have that problem as well. Moving forward. Uh, There is a Fox sports network um, on, on sling that plays ring of honor a couple of times a week. Uh, It did just play actually last week's episode at one point. So there might be a chance for me to catch that too, but I haven't figured out the recording. They're also playing some older episodes at times. So, I just have it set to record anything that says Ring of Honor, hoping that I'll catch it at some point. So um, let's move on to what's going to be apparently a cinematic match, uh, or at least not in the same arena uh, as the rest of the show. Uh, Matt Taven versus Vincent. Obviously, this match has been built big time. Uh, Tom, you've got the first pick on this one. What do you What are you thinking about Taven and Vinny Boy? Yeah, this actually, if in full disclosure, I'm not renewing Honor Club. I'm not paying the 10 bucks to be able to get this show. Um, we'll talk more about what motivated that decision later. Uh, so I'll be, I'll be following along uh, online and following along in a couple of places that I get results to be eagerly anticipating 
uh, reading about how this show goes. It was interesting. I saw a tweet yesterday, and I don't know if it was like a legitimate tweet or a paid tweet, where, they, where someone had said, the Ring of Honor 19th anniversary show is going to be the best pay-per-view thus far in 2021. And, and I don't know if that was someone just being like braggadocious or if they had inside information and it, it really does kick some major butt tonight. I hope the latter for the sake of like high quality wrestling. And if, if, if that, you know, if I hear, hey, there were, you know, five four-star matches, that might change me, change my opinion. And I might plunk down the, the, the 10 bucks and, and, and want to watch this on demand later. Um, I don't have the faith that that tweet was not just a fanboy being like, yeah, Ring of Water, raw, because... I think there's a lot of Ring of Honor fans, and I think the experience group is the best place to capture this, is they only wear Ring of Honor colored glasses, and anything else outside of that is not worth uh, a darn. That's not what we're here to talk about, though. You asked me about my opinion on this match. I am excited about this match. The cinematic element, this will be, is this not Ring of Honor's first attempt at that? I believe it is. I mean, obviously, of course, everything that they've come back with since the relaunch has been all in the can. So they've had a chance to do post edits where and when appropriate. But I think this is a different, different kind of take on that. I think it makes sense here that this feud ends, but I don't know that that is the case because I don't know what you do with Taven or Vincent and their collective factions going forward. I, I mean, actually, I think it's easier that you could have Taven and Mike Bennett go on a, on the run for the tag titles. Uh, and that actually would probably be a good use of both of them. Uh, they're also both solid singles guys too. So again, do you want to end up in the same spot that we talked about earlier? Like you have a uh, La Faction in, in Gobernable situation where there's two single guys holding the belts or the previous Lethal and Gresham combo. Because it's unsanctioned and it won't count for records, and I don't think that the feud is going to end here, I'm going to say Vincent wins, and I'm going to say that other guys, other people, other entities from his faction get involved. It's going to be low on the confidence point meter when I make this pick later. Uh, but I think the story is not over, so that's why I think Vincent gets the win. Yeah, I hope that uh, the cinematic portion, of, you know, however they do this, is more... AEW Street Fight and or uh, Gargano Champa final beat um, in that it's it's more, you know, because they're going back to the the arena that they got their start in, um, which is is an interesting little twist into the story, a little little nugget of, of something. Um, but I hope it's just that it's there because because that place means something to them and this is where it's supposed to end and all of that kind of thing um, and not. Vincent hasn't done too much hocus pocus kinds of things. It's more just the violence um, that he brings. Um, I think it's also interesting. I, I noted on Ring of Honor TV this past week there was a promo that got absolutely no mention um, for some character who uh, was saying that ring, you know, pure wrestling, yes, is part of Ring of Honor, but Ring of Honor is also known for its violence, and violence is coming. Now, I think that could be Brody King. Um, you know, and, and re-pushing him, even though, yes, he reappeared a couple of weeks ago. You know, he has mentioned violence numerous times in promos. I think it could be Brody King. It could have something to do with Vincent and his crew. Or or it could be somebody who totally has not been shown yet on Ring of Honor. I think it'd be interesting to see where that leads. Um, I wanted to just kind of mention that, and here seemed like a possibility to do it um, because of the violence involved here. 
Uh, I'm going to go the other way. I think Taven wins it and we move on from this, this feud. Um, it's been over a year. This has been going on. Um, I've enjoyed it. I, I think Taven, I, I agree with you. I think Taven and Bennett moving on to the tag ranks probably makes a lot of sense. Um, I think there's a little piece of me if Vincent were to win that would think is I've had an uneasy feeling about the Taven Bennett Alliance the whole time. Bennett's almost seemed too happy to be back and be with Taven. And so it made me think is Bennett going to turn, but they've Bennett and uh, Bennett Bateman have a match this weekend on TV. I think beer city bruiser. Oh, that's right. It is beer city bruiser. Um, which makes sense from, from beer city uh, bruiser having his turn, I guess, for lack of a better word a month ago or so, which has not been followed up on until this point, really other than uh, a short interview segment where, where he and Brian Malonis had some more arguing. Um, that's another story that we apparently Ring of Honor is going to get back to. Maybe, maybe we'll see um, here. So I guess it doesn't make sense to have Bennett in that situation and then also have him turning at the pay-per-view on the same weekend. So I, I just don't think we're headed towards that, at least here, maybe, maybe somewhere down the road. All that just that, and none of that supports my pick of Matt Taven. Um, so all that to say, I, I just think this is, it's time to move on from this. I think it's been a really well-told story. I like that they've kept them a kind of apart for the most part now recently, so that now when they have this match, you're like, yep, I want to see Matt Taven tear him a new one. Um, now, I know Matt Taven is a polarizing figure for a lot of folks. Um, I know you're not the biggest Matt Taven guy, um, and I'm not either. I was much higher on him uh, years ago. Uh, when he beat Adam Cole for the TV title, and I was sure Adam Cole had been signed to WWE at that point. It was still another year or so before that happened. But uh, I, I've been bigger on Taven in the past, but I just think this is this is time. I think you move Taven on. I think it'd be interesting to see where does Vincent and his crew go after this, uh, because there's not a obvious next move. And wherever it goes, it probably is a step down from this, to be perfectly honest. Um but we'll see. I, I like Vincent and Bateman. I, I like his characters. Um, I like their dark, violent kind of thing. Uh, I think Bateman's actually pretty darn good in the ring. I think he's got more potential than just being the number two in this group. So I think, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they can get behind Bateman at any point. But uh, Taven, long, long-winded way to say Taven is my pick here. Um, I just think it sets up for that. Well, we're going to move on to a match that we should have had at Final Battle originally, uh, but unfortunately, due to COVID concerns, uh, EC3 was unable to be there at that uh, night. And in the end, maybe it worked out okay, because we're still getting this match, and we ended up with a really good Jay Briscoe-Shane Taylor match at Final Battle uh, in its stead. So, well, this would have been great to see back then. It would have made a little more, you know, they had to kind of keep this thing rolling to get it all the way to the anniversary show. Uh, I think they did okay with that um, as well. So Jay Briscoe and EC3 in really what will be EC, EC3's biggest test, certainly to date in Ring of Honor, uh, biggest match, certainly to date in Ring of Honor, biggest match, I would say, since he's left WWE, honestly. He had the little run in Impact, but even then that was mostly cinematic stuff and mind games with Moose and you know all of those kinds of things. And and I, I don't follow Impact as closely as I'd like to, one nice thing with Sling is I do have access uh, now with Sling. Uh, so Impact has been added to my recording schedule. 
no idea when I might find time to actually watch the show ever, but uh, it's at least available to me now. Um, so there's that. Kenny Omega was on it this last week, so maybe I need to go back and at least see, you know, try and catch it at some point um, in all the extra time I have in my life. But Briscoe and EC3 here. Um, my pick first. Yes, sorry. I had to think about that for a quick second. It was a whole minute and a half ago that I finished talking about David and Vincent. I couldn't remember who finished that one yet. Uh, Briscoe and EC3. So this is weird for me. Um, this is one... I, I, I've said this a number of times that I'm not, I can't put really high confidence points on because I can feel like it could go either way. Um, I kind of feel like EC3 needs the win for his own ascension in Ring of Honor. And yet, it seems like the story is he wants to test Briscoe and can Briscoe, you know, control his narrative, basically. And so then on that side, I think Briscoe gets the win in EC3. There's some sort of fist bumper acknowledgement, like, see, I told you, I, I brought this out of you kind of thing. Um, so I, I, I just, I'm really torn on this match, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, Briscoe got the one win against him, or no, EC3 got the win against Briscoe and their one match uh, a while back that lasted like 87 seconds or something um, in a DQ because Briscoe wouldn't stop kicking him in the corner. Am, am I right? Does that sound right, Tom? Yep, that is correct. Yep. Um, you know, so EC3 got his win and, and proved his point that Briscoe couldn't control himself. Um, so the story here is is more than the match, frankly. Um, gosh, man, I just don't know which way I want to go on this one, Tom. I'm going to go... EC3, because I just think to establish him in Ring of Honor, he needs a win. And a win against Jay Briscoe is one of the bigger wins you can get um, in Ring of Honor anytime. Um, and and if you're going to ascend EC3 into anything else, um, I just think he needs the win here. And maybe even then there's a see I told you or something. I, I think this story continues past here. So I think EC3 wins. Yes, I agree with you that I think the story does definitely continue past here. I think that you have to give as Ring of Honor the win to EC3, even though it, I like what you've presented in terms of Jay Briscoe winning and, and proving that he was able to control his narrative would be a longer storytelling thing. I still think that a pinfall loss or a loss of some sort that's not super fluky for EC3 hurts him more than it hurts Jay Briscoe. Jay Briscoe for me, he's a guy that's evergreen and ring of honor where I think losing pinfall doesn't damage his aura. He will, for, I mean, unless you were to like, you know, he's not Dalton castle. When Dalton castle went on the losing streak, you were like, Oh man, maybe the sun is setting for him here. I don't think that that's ever going to be the case for Jay Briscoe. So we have similar picks here. Um, I do agree with you. The story is not over by any means. I'm interested to see how it plays out um, and, and really how this, how EC3 over the long term, you know, is presented and promoted in Ring of Honor. He clearly was a big name ready to launch at the end of 2020. COVID restricted that. Is this the reboot necessary? Is this feud longer than this? Does it involve Mark Briscoe at some point? Who else might involve? Like, what is really what? What is the intent of controlling your narrative, and what does that mean? I want some more meat on that um, from like the EC3 perspective 
Um, I mean, I mean, he's given us a couple promos, but I'm going to be honest with you, like they're not landing with me. Um, EC3 also has been a talent that really has never connected for me. I think like the, the last time I really cared about him was in his last NXT run, which was very abbreviated, very short. But like I thought, okay, hey, maybe this is the spot or the time where that he does something. And I think maybe there was two or three weeks where I was like, cool. And then I was like, eh, okay, never mind. I hope that's not the case here. You know, because if there was ever a pond for him to really shine in, the pond is Ring of Honor. Agreed. Agreed, totally. Well, Tom, you get the next pick on our six-man title. The first pick, I should say, on our next match. The six-man title match, Shane Taylor promotions. Shane Taylor and the Sons of Savagery against... Am I saying that right? Sons of Savagery? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yep. Um, uh, versus Mexico Squad of Bandito, Flamita, and Ray Horace. A return match uh, from Shane Taylor promotions winning those six-man titles a couple of weeks back. A uh, month ago, maybe now or, or more back uh, on the TV show as well. So, uh, Tom, what do you what are you seeing for Shane Shane STP and uh, Mexico Squad? Yeah, so I know we're going to get into the title match section of all of these picks, and I know that there's been some stuff that we'll talk about that's maybe changed, perhaps how we would have picked. Um, I this is one of those ones where I didn't didn't see the titles changing at all. I don't know why you would give the belts to Shane Taylor Promotions. Uh, to remove them now, the, the the one the one flaw of operating in a COVID world is they have not done much in the way of promoting six man groups, you know, three man groups challenging for this. So this match on paper makes a lot of sense. I think there's better use of Bandito if you were to personally ask me. Uh, he's like to me, he's the talent in this group, you know, from a from a pure in ring perspective. Um, but I understand why they're doing this. Shane Taylor Promotions retains, continues to have a, uh, a steady run. I don't know who they then face next down the road. Um, in the same breath, like when we were talking about Taven and Vincent, you know, it, I understand your pick and it makes a lot of sense when I, when I logically think about it, because I can't see them waiting another three months for best in the world in June for them to reconvene that feud. And again, it can, it can play out on TV over time, but it also maybe doesn't. So that's why, you know, you might be spot on with your pick. I hope you're not, but um, here, here, here in that same, in that same vein, I think, you know, you, you bring that this Mexico squad group maybe to an end. And then I don't know how long, in the world, uh, Ray Horace and Flamita are in Ring of Honor. I think Benito definitely sticks around. Um, world title, TV title picture. Um, but in terms of the six-man group, Shane Taylor Promotions is where the spotlight is, should remain. Um, I want to see Shane Taylor do more, but I think we might have to wait longer to do that for him in a singles capacity. Yeah, I... Uh, so, I'm a big... You and I are both big fantasy football players. Um, I don't know what uh, fantasy football podcasts, news, that kind of thing, who you follow, who you listen to, those kinds of things. But uh, I listen to the fantasy focus, uh, football, fantasy football focus. Uh, anyways, so out from ESPN uh, daily during the football season and weekly during the offseason. Uh, there is a point to this that I'm getting to uh, that has to do with this match. But uh, Matthew Berry is, is a part of that podcast and, and I follow him on Twitter and, and he's on ESPN all the time and all of that. Uh, for the last couple of years, he's had a thing that he's kind of pounded um, called hashtag free Aaron Jones, uh, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he wanted to see Aaron Jones just get, you know, unleashed as the guy in Green Bay as far as the running backs go. 
And frankly, he's right. Even as a Bears fan, I can say that Aaron Jones is an absolute beast. Um, I was very disappointed to see that the Packers re-signed him because I was hoping he could leave the division. But that all that all being said, hashtag free bandito. Um, bandito is lost in this this six-man stuff with Mexico Squad. Mexico Squad's super talented. I like their matches. I really do. But Bandito can be so much more for this company. And then if you keep Mexico Squad even as a unit, you know, maybe they're kind of the New Day-ish almost. Um, yeah, obviously in a very, very different character setting. Um, I would be fine with Ray Horse and Flamita really starting a run in the tag division together. I think that could be an interesting tag. Bandito and Flamita are a great tag team, but I just think Bandito has so much more to offer as a singles. Um, so Horace and Flamita, I think, would be a great addition into the tag team division in Ring of Honor. Uh, I, I think from all of that, you can tell uh, Shane Taylor Promotions keeps the titles here. I agree. You don't you don't flip them to Shane Taylor to then just flip them right back to Mexico Squad. I, I might think about this more and have more um, questioning if they were defending against just about anybody other than Mexico Squad, unfortunately. And I say that, again, with all love in my heart for Mexico Squad, because I like all three of those guys a lot. I just, there's no point to put the titles back on them at this point. Uh, agree with you. The chain Taylor as a singles has so much more potential. Um, and I hope that they don't lose that in this. Um, I also love though, that this is helping to elevate sons of savagery who I think have a, a really bright future in the tag team division as well. Um, this match is going to be great. Um, there's, there's nothing about this match that isn't, that's going to suck. Um, this should be a banger of a match. So I'm looking forward to it. They're giving it away for free. Even if you don't have honor club, you can catch us on their YouTube page, their Facebook page, their Twitter page, their Snapchat. I don't know everywhere. It's going to be everywhere. Um, so, you know, even if people are not uh, hopping on honor club or not buying it on pay-per-view, which newsflash people don't pay 20 bucks on pay-per-view for this show pay 10 bucks and get it on honor club. Like, I don't even understand, um, you know, but you still have people who buy WWE pay-per-views for 45 bucks instead of 10 bucks on the network or five bucks on Peacock. I, I don't know why people hate money. I just don't know, but um, <laughs> I don't, I don't. You right, right. I don't either. So 10 bucks. I mean, I am going to re up. Um, I actually have, have done a couple of retweets on Twitter um, trying to win a free viewing of, of the show. Um, through fight. So maybe if I win one of those, I won't, but uh, my plan is to re up. I won't see it until sometime this weekend. I won't catch it tonight, uh, but I'm looking forward to this match. Nonetheless is what I'm trying to say, but Shane Taylor promotions wins this match, the hands down. And then I hope from there um, bandito starts to get featured in a singles way, because I just think he's a superstar waiting to happen. Um, and maybe they were making sure that all of the COVID stuff was over. And I don't know if he's dealt with any injuries or anything like that, but, Hashtag free bandito is going to be my new, uh, I'm going to have two, in fact, hashtag free bandito and hashtag free Peyton Royce. But anyways, we'll get onto that another time. All right. So now we get to the world television title match. And here's where I know we're going to start to have some conversations around um, unfortunate changes that are out of Ring of Honor's control um, as far as uh, Dragon Lee having to miss this show and the subsequent tapings, obviously, that are happening around the show. So let's be honest, we're not going to see Dragon Lee for a month, month and a half, two months, depending on how many Ring of Honor TV shows they're taping as well. Or we won't see him in the ring, I should say. They could still do some promo stuff with him. Um, you know, they probably will. Um, but uh, unfortunately, not in the ring. He had a ruptured eardrum that required some surgery, which, ouch. 
Um, like that just doesn't sound fun at all. Um, so to me, I hate what they're doing here. Um, they're substituting Kenny King, defending the title for Dragon Lee versus Tracy Williams. It, this match in particular, I hate what they're doing here. You have two other options to me. Either one, you say, you know what? Dragon Lee is injured. He's unable to make the show. So we're going to postpone that title match until Dragon Lee is back. We'll have it on a future episode of Ring of Honor TV. Okay, people understand that. Things happen. Yes, you said every title was going to be defended, but let's be honest, you said every title was going to be defended a final battle, and the six-man titles weren't defended there because of COVID-related reasons. Fine. You were able, you, you skipped it there, skip it here. Or you could do Kenny King versus Tracy Williams for the interim television championship if you wanted to go that route, um, like, like they did with the Cruiserweight division over in WWE, although they're... There was you were unknown when when Jordan Devlin was going to be able to come back over, and it's been you know almost a year or a year however long. Um, you know here obviously I think they're thinking Dragon Lee will be back a lot sooner obviously than that, um, it, because it is just an injury. It's an injury that will heal um, with the surgery within a fairly short time frame. It sounds like. Just, uh, a I, I'm not. I used to be a bit. I used to be high on Kenny King. Now I'm a little more lukewarm on Kenny King. So do I need Kenny King on my TV twice on a pay-per-view? No, I don't. And I don't want Kenny King defending the title for Dragon Lee. I, I just I just dislike everything they're doing here. I can deal with it a little more in the tag title match. We're going to talk about that in a couple of matches. So I'll, I'll save my thoughts for on that. But in this match, I, I just hate what we're doing here. Um, well, you could have Kenny King lose the title here and cause dissension because Dragon Lee didn't lose it. I just don't think you should do that uh, in this case, in a singles titles case. Spoiler alert for future. Um, in a singles titles case, I don't think you should do that. Shenanigans abound, and I think Kenny King defends the title uh, for Dragon Lee. Now, I will tell you, if, this was go if Dragon Lee was here... I was 50-50 on this match. I thought Tracy Williams had a real shot at potentially winning the TV title. I I don't want Tracy Williams to win the TV title from Kenny King, who does not have the TV title. I don't think that helps Tracy Williams either if he were to become the TV champ that way. So I think shenanigans, and I'm going Kenny King, and just registering the fact that I really hate what they've done here. I echo a lot of your opinions too. I think that it could have been handled differently i don't want to say better because i don't know what better is uh i i know that we share a similar opinion that this is this isn't reaching us the way we kind of hoped it would or anticipated it. this is also the same situation in in a way it's different but it's the same where you have you had a guy you have a guy now who's defending a title twice on the show so where and how these matches fall again so the comparison is gresham we talked about Gresham having to defend the tag titles and pure title at final battle. We thought how those matches happen impact perhaps the, or how that whichever match happens first impacts how the second match then plays out. I think that's important here. But, uh, I also think that the way that it's been built is La Faction and Gobernable have been really strong 
here's an opportunity where you can turn the tide and bring back the balance of, I don't say the balance of power, but maybe level it up by having title, a title change or title changes at this event. It still is tough. I'm gonna go with Tracy Williams to win the TV title here. I thought he was going to potentially win the TV title here if Dragon Lee was in that spot, even though I I want to see a long sustained run for Dragon Lee. He's had it, but I know where the COVID pause kind of extends that beyond the norm. I, I'm very high on Tracy Williams. Uh, I think it, I, the other question, and this is here and in the other matches, there's there's been really a level of dissension with Kenny King's involvement in this faction. He's, he's proven himself to Roosh, but I think with the other teammates, members, there's maybe a lack of trust there, perhaps, or maybe I'm perceiving that to be the case when it's not. They could use these matches and title changes, perhaps, to build that story more. We'll see. But I'm gonna, I, I like the idea of us really like getting in the nitty gritty with this competition. So I hope I'm right. And I also think that for Tracy Williams, like long-term story in Ring of Honor, getting him a sustained title run. Um, again, injuries happen, they're fluky. Ruptured eardrum is no joke. But I think getting the belt here, A, adds more fuel to this faction fire, but it also I think is you know, it's a better spot for Williams. And, and I should say, I'm, I'm very high on Tracy Williams as well, have been since his catch point days. Um, and maybe I'll say more about that in the tag title match as well. But um, yeah, I, I like Tracy a lot. And I, yeah, I've said my piece. Um, so I, I, it'll be interesting to see where they go with this tonight due, due to the substitution. All right, we'll move on to the pure title match. I feel like there's not going to be a ton to say here, but uh, Jonathan Gresham defends uh, versus Dak Draper in the one title match involving the foundation and La Faccion de Ingonables that does not actually involve them fighting each other. Uh, we have a foundation member versus just Dak Draper. Tom, you get the first pick. Yeah, this is uh, it's surprising. So I care more about the four-way than I do about this. And I, and I really like Jonathan Gresham. I just don't care enough yet about Dak Draper. I think that they made, a, they made a, an overreach by putting him in this spot. Do I think that the guy has a world of potential ahead of him? Without a doubt. I think they're pulling the trigger too early here. Um, hopefully I hear and read that I was wrong and I was surprised that this was way better than people expected or anticipated. Gresham's my pick. I, again, I don't see anyone on the horizon that's going to determine Jonathan Gresham. I, that Which is awesome because when it eventually does happen, maybe I'm not even expecting it and it's a big it's a big surprise, but I think I think Gresham has, without a doubt, a year plus run as pure champion, if not longer, because we're still his lineage and the, and the reintroduction of this belt is important to have some consistency around it. Um, even though I think that they've, and especially in that tag title match where the belt switched, the rules were used against the the foundation. So so. You know, do we see a trend where that maybe continues to work against them? Even though that's what they're advocating for, they're finding that it's it's their Achilles heel. I, I don't know. I think that's a long-term story you could tell. I don't see that being the case here. That's more of a narrative of the of the broad uh, approach. Gresham wins. Draper maybe gives us a shot or a vision of, of what his future looks like. But this is going to – this and one other match are going to be the two highest confidence points when we make those picks 
in our fantasy league. Yeah. Um, not a whole lot to say here. I mean, I know we're, we're likely going for our longest episode ever, uh, it appears, uh, because we still got two matches to go. Although, uh, my pick here will, will help us maybe not, maybe not do that either. Um, I agree with you. Draper's got a ton of potential. Um, I actually had a chance to chat with Dak Draper a couple of months back when Ring of Honor did their trivia nights. Um, Draper was on our team, uh, my team's team, uh, one time really nice guy, really um, actually wrestled at uh, Shadron State College, which is up in northwest Nebraska. So when he heard that I was in Nebraska, um, we kind of had a little, you know, couple of minute conversation about Nebraska. He knew right where I was talking about where I live. And um, so, you know, I I think he's a good guy. I think he is talented in the ring. I think he has a future, but I think they gave him like three wins to get to a title match kind of thing. Like, I just, they haven't built him enough and made people care about Dak Draper enough yet. Um, I honestly, I would have Dak Draper in the TV division, not the pure division personally. Um, and, and I don't think the TV division is necessarily below the pure division. I just think it's a different style. And I think Draper's character would work better in a regular, uh, traditional pro wrestling sense than the pure rules thing. Um, yeah, Gresham's winning this. This is my 10, frankly. Um, maybe they'll shock me and put the belts on Draper, but I feel like I would hate that if they did. Um, I can't see it. Um, they obviously see a lot in Draper and, and have, um, I don't know if they have plans because sometimes I wonder about plans, but I, I think they want a lot for Draper, but no, Gresham has to win here. And I agree with you. Gresham has to have a long run with his title. I don't, I don't see anybody in ring of honor right now that, um, to your point, Tom, that, that even scratches the surface of, Oh, okay. Eventually we're going to get to Gresham and this guy. And, and that's going to be the big match where now we think, yeah, Gresham might lose that title. At one point I thought Josh Woods could maybe get built there and he still could, but man, you got a long way to go. There's, there's nobody in LFI um, that I look at from a pure side and LFI and a pure rules match is a little funky anyways, which we saw in the tag match. Um, but it's a little funky because of, of the way they, they run things anyways. So, I just said a lot more about this match than I thought I would. Gresham wins, period. Stop, end story. <laughs> All right, moving on to the tag title match. The other half of this whole problem with Dragon Lee, unfortunate, uh, Dragon Lee's unfortunate injury. Bestia Del Ring subs for him here uh, to team with Kenny King to defend against Tracy Williams and Kenny King's former partner in All Night Express, which I think is a subplot in this, this match uh, all along, Rhett Titus. Uh, I'm I'm more okay with the substitution here because I think you can invoke the free bird rule. Um, anytime you've got a faction like this who has the tag titles, I think it it's a little bit of a booking crutch. But look, Dragon Lee got hurt. You want to still have a tag title match? You invoke the free bird rule. Bestie at all ring jumps in. Um, I'm good with it. I I can live with it here. Um, this is where I think I I think the titles need to flip somewhere in the three matches. I think the foundation needs to win some title um, tonight. Now they could have LFI just continue to dominate everything and you're still building towards the eventual titles, you know, title flips to the foundation. But I do think a title flip to the foundation makes sense. I've never felt like King and Lee were going to be long-term tag champs. Um, And uh, I've always felt like Williams and, and Titus, not always, but since final battle, when they had that pure title or pure tag rules match, excuse me, um, they would make really good tag champs. And and I think in the vein of the Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, FTR, you know, workhorse tag team, um, 
these these could be those guys in Ring of Honor. Absolutely. Um, so this is where I see the titles flipping. Um, I think Tracy Williams and Red Titus get the win. I think this is also where there's some more of that, as you said, kind of underlying strange tension that sometimes is there and sometimes isn't with LFI. Um, it, it, it's a little disjointed for me, that that tension. Um, but I think it plays, it, it rears its head here, uh, whether there's an actual breakup or it just continues to be a slow simmer. Uh, Williams and Titus, I think, win the titles here. And I'm so confident in that pick. A, I'm not sure I'm going to put a real high confidence point on it, but that I picked up Red Titus in our Fantasy Wrestling League. Yeah, I I like that pick, and I'm going to mimic it. I'm going to, A, I think strategy-wise, I think it makes sense for me to not get too far out of the, out of the realm, and we'll, we'll talk about our differences here momentarily. So, you know, there's a strategy to this competition. Can't just can't just go with your gut all the time. But if I if I come back a week from now and we do a quick recap on this and I go, I should have trusted my gut. I'll, I'll, I'll acknowledge that for the crowd. Uh, but yes, I, I think that it does make sense for the foundation to win. Um, I think that the, the, the heel end of challengers for a babyface tag team is better. Um, even though OGK probably isn't a heel tag team, I think that OGK versus Williams and Rhett make a lot of sense. I think Vincent and Bateman, perhaps. Uh, I think definitely Silas and Josh. Uh, and, and and I think that you use Silas and Josh invoking a title shot, however they might be able to do that. Um, and then losing, if it's Rhett and Tracy, give them the opportunity, and especially if it's under pure rules, uh, it gives that that breakup eventually of Silas and Josh down the road. Now, granted, when I'm talking about this match, I'm, I'm fantasy booking the tag division beyond this, but that's why I think that it makes most sense that the foundation wins. What scares me, and I and I didn't say it in the in the TV title match, but it it it, it bleeds over there and here is the is the DQ finish. And if a DQ finish happens, you could see Tracy and Matt maybe winning, but not winning the belts. Or Tracy winning the match, but not the belt in the te television title match. So some way, and again, I wish we knew exactly when these were happening um, be because of that. I think that influences the picks, but that's also the fun of these picks because you don't know. So you're kind of like going, what do I think I know? And what do I expect to happen? And then now watching it out, watching it play it or, or reading about how it plays out will be the fun part there. So, so yeah, foundation, we have the same picks. Uh, I think the foundation comes out of this event very strong with the TV title and the tag titles back in their fold, which leads us to the final match of this card. But before we get there, I do want to just name, interestingly, we talked about him once already, Brody King, not on this card. Uh, we, the, the, the vignette of violence is also part of Ring of Honor. Violence is coming or returning, whatever. That was a very interesting video package. Um, it, it seems like it would make sense for Brody King, but uh, could there be someone else from Ring of Honor's past homicide? I don't know. That could be part of that. Um, there's other guys that come to mind, Necro Butcher, but I don't think he's at all <laughs> interested in returning or even able to return. Uh, and then, and then PCO is another guy that I'm really surprised. Uh, I haven't heard a whole lot about. Um, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, but PCO has not been on TV since Final Battle. Is that correct? He was in the Christmas match, I believe. Okay. I think, um, so he was on those those tapings around Final Battle, but I don't think he was at this last set of tapings because I don't think he appeared. I, I think you're right. 
Okay. So yeah, so just uh, kind of odd that that is mm-hmm. um, that's been a gap there. So um, it'll be interesting to see if we get a Brody King appearance tonight and or PCO and or someone else. Someone again, Ring of Honor has done a great job about guys who've come back and returned, not letting that leak out. So um, that'll be and, that'll be. And just to speak to it, um, you know, I think there are some people who are hoping Andrade would show up at the pay-per-view um, Andrade got released on Sunday or Monday. Uh, this was taped earlier this week and ring of honor and the Maryland state athletic commission have very strict COVID protocols, which include a test before traveling and some, a uh, couple of days before, you know, kind of quarantining in the hotel before they actually start taping things. I believe uh, they're just timing wise. I don't think there was even enough time, even if um, they would have wanted to do that. I just don't think timing wise that it could happen. So anybody who goes into tonight with high hopes of seeing Andrade, um, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yes. From the LFI um, connection and him being a former member of, of the Ingonopolis uh, family, I guess, for lack of a better word as La Sombra, uh, it would make a lot of sense. And I certainly would have loved him uh, in the dragon Lee fill in spot better than I will like best day del ring. But I just, from a timing standpoint, wasn't going to happen. So would I love to see him in Ring of Honor moving forward? Absolutely. Would love to see. I, I want to see him anywhere. That guy is super talented. WB dropped the ball um, 10 ways to Sunday on Andrade. So um, it'll be interesting to see where he shows up. Uh, apparently, there is no no-compete clause. So could be soon. Yeah, I know we're entrenched in our Ring of Honor talk. Let's finish that off, but I'd love to I'd love to wrap our, our episode this week as we're going very long with just a quick check in on Andrade and just what we think we know about how that has played out based on the rumor mill. So we'll get there in a second, but yes, main event for final battle. I pick first. Um, the, the face, arguably one of the faces of ring of honor, perhaps one of the guys on the Rushmore of ring of honor, Jay lethal has earned his title shot. He did defeat Matt Taven and the four way that happened. And Matt Taven got that pinfall loss um, clean, but um Vita Von Starr was on the outside, which again gives more of that Taven and Vincent issue. Um, lethal winning this, lethal being the guy makes sense from that four way when you thought of all of the guys and what their path might be. It also makes sense in the LFI versus foundation ongoing issue. Um, I didn't see the eight man that they had on last week's episode to understand like the storyline narrative that's giving us more for this match. On paper, it's 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 a dominant world champion and it's a former world champion, and that should be enough. But I think that you have more tentacles to it because of the ongoing faction issue. Uh, I don't see Lethal winning the title here. Roosh retains again. I, Roosh is 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 in the world title picture, almost in the same vein of what we talk about with Gresham in the pure title. I don't know that you can name the guy on the roster for sure, at least on the roster now, guys could come and go, um, that will be the person to unseat him as champion, which is also a good thing because then maybe when it happens as a surprise, it's going to be awesome. Um, I The guys that have world title shots, I think it's, is it Flip Gordon, Matt Taven, and Mark Haskins? Is that correct? I believe you are correct. Okay, so obviously Taven and, and Gordon, those title shots could be executed uh, in the months, weeks, days, whatever to come. Uh, Gordon against Roosh, heel, heel, eh. Taven, Roosh, okay, that could be a Ring of Honor TV spot. Um, 
depending on the outcome of his match with Vincent, um, where there's actually some some push there. Roosh wins. Uh, the, the issue between the feuds keeps going, of course, especially if we have those title changes that we talked about earlier, or or, or they don't happen. Uh, I don't know where we go from here with this faction or this feud, but I do think, and again, I know when we talked about the final battle fallout, I said, you know, kind of the six month plan, I saw potentially Roosh and, and Gresham at best in the world, but not in a title unification match, but clearly like some former faction, uh, fashion, not faction of, of them. And maybe it's, maybe it's broader than that. Maybe it's, we get a six man, maybe we get uh, an eight man, I don't know. We'll see. But for now, Roosh to me is a the steady, consistent champion. And having re-upped, I think, gives more merit to sticking with him as your as the face of, of the company and the in the world champion. Uh, totally agreed. Roosh wins this match. Uh Jay Lethal winning the title at this point does nothing for me, to be perfectly honest. Um you know, you've got both other titles flipping to the foundation. I only have the tag titles. Um, partially, I'll, I'll also say part of why I think that um, only one flips, I, I want to get away from people having two belts. I, I want to spread the titles out so that there's more matches that mean things without guys having to do double duty. Um, and, and, you know, so if, if both of those flip, then Tracy Williams is now that guy. It was Jonathan Gresham, now it's Dragon Lee, then it's Tracy Williams. All very capable of having two matches and all good talents that I don't mind seeing in two matches as far as in ring. I just think it can help spread the wealth and help build more of the Dak Drapers and the and the LSGs and the, the all those other people um, who, who need some building in Ring of Honor. Uh, but at the world title level, Roosh wins. Uh, I agree. This continues the feud. Um, Roosh and Gresham, to me, is absolutely where you head. Um, whether it's best in the world or you could drag that all the way to final battle. Um, but you got a lot of story to tell between now and then if you're going to get it that far without people being like, just give us the match so we're done. Goodness. Um, you know, maybe best in the world is some sort of four on four street fight war games, cage match, something. I don't know. Um, options abound. But uh, Roosh wins this match and and we move on to to whatever moves next which continues, though, the LFI and Foundation um, situation. So uh, just to recap, uh, I didn't write down all our picks, Tom, because I'm going to have we'll have them on the on the site. Um, but we are differing, I know, on the four corner match. Yep. LSG for me, Eli Eisen for you. Um, then I have Vincent and you have Taven. Yep. And then I have Tracy Williams winning the TV title um, or at least that match, whether they whether the title flips or not. That's another story. Um, and you have Kenny King being able to retain uh for dragon lee so three differences there um which is is good and, and a safe number at least uh so even if i were to miss all of them i'm still only four down um in the worst case scenario for either of us um or if i were to get all three of them right um you'd be down two uh at that point so thankfully after this show uh neither of us should be totally buried is what i'm saying yeah um but again, lots of matches to pick over the next number of episodes uh, with WrestleMania. Of course, a crazy time of the year, as always, um, coming. But uh, quick conversation on Andrade just to wrap us up here um, as we push towards the two-hour mark. Double Broadway. Um, we'll try to get out in less than five minutes. Yeah, but right. no, the, the, the big thing for me that I just wanted to revisit on this is clearly a guy that in NXT 
phenomenal run, just phenomenal. Like when you think of the matches he had with Aleister Black and Gargano, and, and there were other guys too, but like some of the best matches in that time period across the globe. Uh, so sadly that he was very underutilized. I do very have I do have very fond and vivid memories of his matches with Rey Mysterio. Um, a lot of that happened right before the pandemic, um, unless it was a year prior. Either way, those were just great I matches. Think, I think shortly before, yeah. Yeah, and so so that was that was wonderful too, uh, but unfortunately, like the the ball the ball was dropped, and 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 and, and kudos for him, uh, kudos to him for for advocating and saying I just I have to go and I, I have to apply my trade in some other place, and there's a relationship he and Charlotte Flair are together. Uh, I don't know they are engaged. Okay, they are engaged. So uh, she went to bat for him, and she. Uh, it, it seems to be, at least on paper, I know she's, she acknowledged she was battling COVID. Um, it seems that she's given up her WrestleMania spot to allow her fiancé to get his release from the company, which speaks to, again, her lineage is not going to be damaged by this. She doesn't, her missing a WrestleMania, if she ends up missing it, or her not being in the title shot, title picture, um, you know that'll be the footnote when when the career biography or autobiography is written. Um, hopefully, their relationship is it stands the test of time. You'd hate to see them not end up getting married and having a long, happy life together because of how she went to bat for him. Uh, and then to your comment too, you know, having a having a no compete, being able to to show up perhaps someplace anywhere anytime. I'll tell you this: I definitely knowing that AEW was live made sure that was my priority viewing on Wednesday. I didn't have high hopes he would show up because of what their the the stack card they had already had. Um, but I wouldn't have pulled it past AEW to to pull the trigger um, Wednesday. It didn't happen, obviously, and it may not happen and may not materialize. Um, but awesome free agent wherever he lands. I, I really prefer I would prefer he landed in AEW. Um, or New Japan versus anywhere else right now, but that's my druthers. Uh, he's he's got the potential, I think, where he could do kind of an EC3 type thing um, and and work in a couple of different places for a little while before he settles into one too. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, there's there's differing reports on whether Charlotte did give up her WrestleMania title spot um, or whether they decided to move in a different direction. I, we may never know for sure. Um, you have to think she was involved in the conversations somewhere. Um, she has stroke in that company. We all know that. Um, and she's earned that stroke, frankly, in that company. So, um, you know, if, if if she did give that up, wow. Um, and I agree with you. It won't hurt her legacy at all. Kills me in my fantasy wrestling league because, you know, um, I had planned on that. Anyways, uh, never mind. Um it does set us up. We'll talk more about it in a couple of weeks, but it does set us up for a really intriguing Rhea Ripley and Oscar match, uh, WrestleMania. So that part is very interesting to me, but, uh, Andrade, I, I can't wait to see where he lands, to be honest, because I think, I, I hope whoever gets him uses him the right way because the guy is talented as all get out. He's, he's kind of okay. He's at least okay. I think on the mic, um, his English is, is pretty good. Um, you know, I've seen some people who say they want to see him and Zelina um, team back up. I'm okay with that because I love them as a package. I just don't want it to feel like WWE 2.0. You know, like, oh, we're doing this because that's what WWE did. That's my only slight fear in the two of them together. But I did love them as a package. Uh, Zelina, uh, you know, she's she's a strong-willed woman. 
Um, so I think that might work against her occasionally um, in that she uh, maybe speaks her mind uh, and some people don't like that who are in power. Um, I, I don't have a problem with it, obviously, but um, I'm also not running a company. So it doesn't matter what I think in that realm. Uh, she's super talented and I'm kind of surprised hasn't shown up anywhere yet either. Um, so maybe the two of them as a package deal does get them them brought in somewhere. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Andrade is going to be awesome wherever he lands. Absolutely. Well, that brings us to an end for today. We're trying to really get out of here before the two-hour mark, and the clock is ticking. So anyway, enjoy Ring of Honor this week if you're watching it. Enjoy whatever else you're watching. We'll be back next week to talk about Ring of Honor and to stand and deliver. Have a great week, guys. Take care, everybody.